0: the Perform, Prevent, Recover podcast, where we aim to bring you the latest evidence and research to enable you to perform at your best, prevent injury, and recover well. The Perform, Prevent, Recover podcast is brought to you by Southern Suburbs Physiotherapy Centre. I'm Anthony Lance, physiotherapist, co-founder of SSPC, and your host for today. Thanks for tuning in to episode 7, but we probably really should call it episode 6b because it's a quick follow-up to our previous podcast which was on all things stretching. So what I thought we would do in this session is rather than just bring you the cold hard evidence, that we take a look at the practical side and see what actually happens in the real world because sometimes there's a little bit of a difference. We are extremely lucky at SSPC to have an amazing staff list. We've got physios who not only have elite personal experiences in sport, but they've also built themselves up to positions of being absolute leaders in our profession. So what a unique opportunity to gather together a group of very experienced physios and get their opinions on stretching. And with everyone you're going to hear from today, um, and if you include myself from the last podcast, then we've got nearly 150 years of combined experience. Maybe the best thing that we can do is deliver to you what we are actually doing right now. And before we launch into it, I think it's important to say that none of the speakers got to hear what anyone before them had to say, because I thought... Let's just get their own individual unique ideas and see if it comes to a consensus or see if there's any discrepancies. So um, let's get into it and take a listen. Welcome to the podcast again, Rob O'Donnell. Thanks, Anthony. Uh, A fair bit of water has gone under the bridge since our last podcast.
1: Yeah, especially uh, in relation to runners and uh, the uh, next percenters that they've been approved, so we'll push on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, just a bit of brief background. I'm obviously a co-founder and director here at Southern Suburbs, um, and I should know how long you've been a physio for, because it's the same year as me, but where are we at? 28, I think. 28 years Ooh. of physio. Um, now, tell us just a little bit about your own sporting background, personally. What oh, yeah. you were involved in? Like uh, track and
1: field's been my game for a long time. Uh, I, I ran competitively for many years at, at a reasonably high level, and uh, since then have, have largely focused on on treating runners, especially distance runners.
0: So that's still the major that, that's where you spend most of your clinical time around athletics and and endurance runners.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's my, my love and, and what I know most about. Um, these, these days uh, I, I'm not travelling with teams anymore and that sort of thing, so probably less so than what I was doing 10, 15 years ago, but uh, still really enjoy helping out runners.
0: Sure, and I'm going to put you straight on the spot um, and just say the word stretching and what, what comes to mind immediately when I say stretching in athletic terms.
1: Ah, change. Yeah. Uh, changed a lot in the you know, 30-odd years uh, we've been doing it. Uh, certainly, um, you know, there's a myriad of, of studies and things out there that uh, tell us that uh, stretching doesn't have, certainly doesn't have any um, evidence that it helps with injury prevention. So these days I wouldn't use static stretches in um, warm-ups for, for runners, that sort of thing. Um, but I wouldn't Say black and white uh, that that I, I don't use stretching at all. We, we probably just change how we do it uh, um, through more functional movements, through strength exercises, that sort of thing.
0: Sure. And when you, it's, it's interesting you say change because this is part of, I suppose, what we're all trying to do in our profession and, and part of this podcast series that a lot of people are doing things through habit. And so over 28 to 30 years, you've seen a lot of change in stretching like can you give us an example of what you would have done in a warm-up 20 years ago compared to what you would suggest a a runner let's say your average runner going for a 5 or 10k run might do as a warm-up?
1: Yeah enormous Um, we we certainly would have usually uh, say if we're doing a a normal track session or um, pre-race we would go for so we'd do a functional warm-up we would go for a bit of a jog for a few k but then we would literally sit on the ground and do our old hurdler stretches and you know um, stretch our calves trying to push over trees and things like that Um, so we we didn't do any of the running drills that they do a lot more of these days people will be aware of Things called A skip and B skip and um, just different sort of functional movements uh, where they're, they're trying to uh, increase blood flow and, and uh, maximise their joint movement more than anything. But they're still glorified stretches, if you like, in their, in their own way.
0: So would you, with any of your recreational runners, advise them to stretch as any part of their program?
1: Uh, I wouldn't say no. If people have uh, find it useful in their own way, that uh, they they feel like they get better ankle range um, doing a, a calf stretch, then I wouldn't rule it out. I would I would provide them with the information that we know as far as you know. They may be better off doing it um, through ankling and, di- and different sort of functional movements than a, than a normal stretch pushing over the tree or leaning up against the wall, that sort of thing. Um, but uh, certainly from a warm-up injury prevention point of view, I would tend to push them away from it. But in, in management of, of various injuries, then they, they might use it.
0: Sure. And so let's talk about from if we're talking about runners again from novice through to an intermediate through to elite, does your advice again in regards to stretching in particular change at all? Does it matter what level you're at or is, is is the evidence for everybody?
1: Yeah, I think it pretty much goes across the board. And the elite guys are usually very well versed with this sort of thing. They, they've they been coached right through, so um, they're, they're pretty aware of of the science and, and what will give them the best benefits, but even some of those guys I see doing some some basic old stretches, but far far less than uh, you know 20 30 years ago. Um, so it's the the novice runners need to be educated a little bit more. Um, but but once once uh, you've you've had the chat with them, I think it's pretty much the same across the board for everyone.
0: Yeah, sure. And I suppose I look back and think back to years ago too closer to when we started the clinic and a lot of your clientele being the runners would would often spend hours on their stretching so you you do think the message is getting through is it the older guys that are still stuck in habits?
1: Yeah probably Uh, I don't think you'd see any young so when I'm saying young you're you're 16 to 25 year old um, runners I don't think you'd see them laying on the ground like we used to do doing various uh, stretches we'd we'd spend Hours the the times that they now do more um, strengthening and stability work and and you you certainly um, lengthen muscles through strengthening. Um, There's many of the exercises that they would do, um, glute firing exercises, that sort of thing. That they're they're actually lengthening muscles at the same time. Um, But yeah, they wouldn't be just laying on the ground. spending half an hour doing various stretches stretches. that we did
0: yeah yeah okay and let's just talk quickly we'll finish quickly with your professional world so within the clinic here so not necessarily runners but anyone that comes off the street with an injury or or post-op or a stiff back is is stretching part of your general physio world
1: it can be Um, I think stretching uh, if it's if it's a well thought out part of an overall management plan that, that involves many different things. Um, if uh, doing a particular, as again, it'll be more through movement patterns than static stretches, um, but it, it's still, you know, there's, there's problems out there with acute backs, or um, if people find they get some relief uh, with, with stiff sore necks, heat, and stretching. Um, that sort of thing then it can it can certainly have a role so i wouldn't be black and white and say never use stretching it's just got to be a small component of an overall management plan
0: no worries sounds good thanks for joining us again pleasure indeed good work welcome to the podcast Kirsty nisbet thank you um, firstly, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, when did you graduate? How many years have you have been a physio?
2: I graduated at the end of 2004, so I'll be coming um, up 16,
0: 16 years, 16 years yep. now. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yep. And how many lucky years at SSPC? Uh,
2: coming up 7 in June, okay. I think. Okay, June, Yes. Yep. yep.
0: Excellent. Let's get straight into it. Well, let's talk firstly about your personal sporting life um so what what did you do during your own athletic career
2: um so i started as a competitive swimmer um i trained from about 10 years old and i left at 19 when i started physio okay. school um and competed over here in australia for um, the new zealand team and competed back home nationally okay um Mum and dad are both marathon runners. Dad was an Ironman righty-o. triathlete and I was drafted at 13 to the Institute for Triathlon and competed nationally until 17, nearly 18, where a knee injury um, okay. saw the end of my running career. So, um, that kind of cemented being a physio. <laughs> yeah, yeah radio. <righty-o. laughs> and then I'm swimming, obviously, I stuck with because it was non-impact. So... Um, And then when I graduated, I went back to dance, which I'd done as a young child. And um, I started in musical theatre at 20... Three twenty-two, 22, okay. going on 23, I did my first show and I've since got my diploma in it and I've got now 26 shows under my belt. Wow, and fantastic. Went back and did all my dance exams as a very old person. <laughs> okay,
0: a vast array <laughs> yeah. of experience. And if you, is there one sport in particular you tend to see mainly in your clinical life now?
2: Um, it used to be swimmers and now it's mainly dancers. So dancers, performers, um, gymnasts, cheerleaders... Okay. Uh, singers. So, yeah. again,
0: a variety. Well, mm-hmm. let's get straight to it. So, when I mention the word stretching, what comes immediately to mind?
2: Um, there's been a lot of talk about stretching in the dance world. Anyone who is a dancer has probably seen little bits and pieces of it floating around on social media, yep. especially coming out of the Australian ballet um, and some of the uh, UK and American research. There's a lot coming out now on stretching. Sure. Um, for me um i use it clinically and prescriptively i don't tend to use it a lot as a a warm-up or a standard warm-up i think we've shifted a lot however dance as a whole stretching tends to be a big part of it and the schools and the kids that are coming through are still coming through very much with stretching as being a extremely important part of what they see as an important part of their dance.
0: Yeah, sure. And so do you still see that same viewpoint or are you seeing different viewpoints yourself?
2: Uh, um, myself, I very much don't use stretching much at all. Yep. Static stretching, I use a lot of dynamic stretching, a lot sure. of yoga-based flow, fascial-type stretching now. Um, and I try and educate my clients about that. Um static stretching i think has a place uh it's it's useful in cool downs um it's useful when you're wanting to quieten a muscle group down clinically but i must say i don't I don't tend to use it like I used to, say, 10 years ago. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So when you say quieten a muscle down, can you explain that, like what that means and give an example of when you might use stretching for that?
2: So we know that stretching, um, static stretching at least, um, if you're holding it for over 30 seconds or more, you actually get a a relative weakening of that muscle because what you're telling it to do is to relax. Um, And then obviously if you then go and try and use it, in a strength context, so let's take the hamstrings, for instance. You spend ages at the beginning of your dance class sitting in second or sitting in a hamstring stretch and just holding it for, for minute upon minute upon minute. Yeah. And then you try and do your high kicks down the room where the hamstring has to really work quite hard to lift the leg. You're telling it two different things. You're telling sure. it to relax and then you're telling it to contract. And so often you'll feel stiffer or tighter after doing those stretches. Um, having said that, If somebody has a very overactive quadricep muscle, for instance, this is probably one of the main ones I use. They're trying to do their devlapes or their leg lifts, and they're really gripping on with the front of their hip and the front of their thigh, and it's blocking them from being able to lift their leg higher. And sometimes that pattern is so automatic that it's really hard for the person to switch that off. Sure. If we go and then statically stretch the quadriceps for... 30 to 60 seconds, and tell that muscle to be quiet. And then we follow that with a strength exercise designed to help them to utilize their hamstrings or their deep hip rotators to lift that muscle a little bit further and that leg a bit higher. Um, The quadriceps are then quiet and down enough that they can access that. So I feel like that's probably where I would use it the most.
0: (laughs) And so that's more going to be in a post-training situation potentially or would you use it I mean it did come up in our previous podcast about the the risk of weakening a muscle so yeah are you you always post-training with that sort of stretching
2: generally so these are generally exercises or or activities that um, the dancer will do out of class so they're more of their development type exercises Um, so I wouldn't generally encourage it in a class context sure um, unless there was a very specific reason, they'd be more likely to do yoga-based stretching or th- dynamic things to free things up as a, in a class situation. But as part of their home program, if we're specifically working on technical issues, yes, I think then you know they're only going to be doing certain exercises tied to certain stretches, and yeah, that sure. works a little better than in a class
0: context. Yep. And are you still finding again clinically? with your work here are there still a lot of kids coming in doing static stretching are you finding that yes yeah
2: there's a lot and i think um in the dance world specifically and i know a lot of the dance physios and a lot of the uh, dance teachers are tapping into this and social media has been a very big influence on that absolutely so looking at um holding extreme stretch positions we're having a lot of trouble with social media with regards to things like um over stretching over splits um and young hips and young uh, dancers with vulnerable um, growth plates plates, um, that we're trying not to encourage those types of things but social media has been a big influence and i think the kids still see that in order to get flexibility i need to push my stretches and that's the only way that i'm gonna get past that and i think that's it's been ingrained for years and i think some of the dance teachers and dance schools are starting to move away from that and some are obviously still ingrained in that because it's only relatively new information
0: yeah absolutely and so just to finish then if, if do you have a final word or final piece of advice on stretching and with with let's take dance or ballet in particular what, what would be a take-home message that you would give somebody?
2: I think start to understand in a warm-up the importance of preparing yourself for what you're going to do. So if you're doing ballet, for instance, and you're then progressing onto the bar where you're working a lot on postural um, stability and you're working on balance and you're working on strength, um, your warm-up should prepare you for that. And stretching is not effectively going to prepare you for that. Sure. So I teach my dancers the importance of cardio going for a jog, star jumps, um, bike riding, those types of things as a warm-up to get blood flowing. And starting to learn things like um, I've been a huge fan of yoga combinations, so sun salutation combinations where they're doing a lot of flow between different positions, a lot of dynamic stretching, and they find it frees them up so much better. Um, And I guess the final thing is to learn to start tailoring your warm-up to you because everybody's different. So allowing time you know 10 minutes before class to warm up what you know you need to warm up Absolutely. in the way that you need to do that for your body instead of having that um, everybody conforming to the one thing because it often doesn't work yeah for everyone
0: yeah great great pieces of advice and um, thanks for joining us today no problem welcome to the podcast Naraj Kosha
3: thank you anthony thanks for having me
0: good to have you along now obviously uh You've been, uh, well, you're a director at SSPC, but um, do you want to just tell me when did you graduate as a physio?
3: Yeah, I've uh, been around uh, longer than I choose to remember, but I graduated in 98, I think um, came on in November or December of 1998 and yeah, haven't looked back since then.
0: Okay, so 20, 22 years and uh, you've been at SSPC the whole time, haven't you?
3: Yep, yep. Started uh, as a grad at SSPC. Worked with Rob at um, as a as a student. I did a placement with Rob at uh, his old place and um, kept in touch with him. And through through that connection, I think came on as, as SSPC's second employee. Um, and uh, from the in the old building at East Bentley, and then evolved into the new building at East Bentley, and then now across to Parkdale uh, from the old Parkdale building to the new Parkdale building. So I've been through a few buildings in the <laughs> ten years.
0: Fantastic. Um, And just tell me, um, let's go back to your younger junior years. Um, What sort of sporting background have you got?
3: So I uh, played cricket growing up. Cricket was my main sport. Uh, Played cricket up until the age of, well, all the way through really. Probably seriously stopped uh, at around the age of 20 when I ended up with stress fractures in my back. I used to try and bowl a bit when I could, but uh, then... When I got back from my stress fractures, um, I couldn't really bowl at the pace that I once did and uh, sort of took up batting for a bit more fun and cricket became less serious and more enjoyable.
0: Yeah, okay. And in your professional life now, what sort of sports do you find yourself in?
3: I uh, still love treating cricket injuries, still have a, have a passion for, for cricket. But uh, I guess football has um, uh, taken me along a journey over the last 20 years with my professional life. and I, I, Love treating football injuries and I love the sport. And um, yeah, probably seeing more footballers these days, and especially the younger footballers um, as they're coming through the system and enjoyed working with them and seeing them come on and going to bigger and better things.
0: Yeah, okay. And um, let's get to the topic, uh, which is stretching. Um, what's the first thing that comes into your mind when I mention the word stretching?
3: Uh, the great debate, do yeah. we or don't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that's exactly it. So, uh, yes, look, I think uh, I've, I've been around long enough to have seen a, a bit of a 180 on stretching. When, when I first graduated, we were prescribing stretching for anything and everything. And, and now I could probably go uh, a week in the clinic and not prescribe a stretch. So you know, I'm, I'm not completely on the side of the fence that stretching has no value, but I'm certainly less um, impi- inclined to use stretching in my armory as what I used to certainly 20 years ago.
0: Yeah, okay, and so your your main sporting role now is um, uh, with one of our school teams at, at quite a high level of school sports, So, sort of year ten, year eleven, year twelve kids. Um, tell me about stretching in Australian rules football at the moment. Do you, does it does it happen at all?
3: Well, their their warm ups pre. I guess we've got to divide it into you know when um, when are we talking about? If we're talking about pre. Um, pre-training pre-games we're certainly not looking at any form of static stretching at all I think static stretching is certainly um, completely gone from um, pre-game pre-training as a warm-up so there might be a little bit of static stretching still happening afterwards uh, just more as relaxation to the muscle and and slight recovery but pre-game it's all about muscle activation And, and we sort of think well you know at a scientific level what are we trying to achieve before, um, before activity and that is get the muscle in optimal condition for activity. And certainly to get that happening, there, there certainly doesn't appear to be any research to show that any form of static stretching of a muscle is going to help that muscle get prepared for activity. In fact, there's some low-level studies showing that it may, in fact, be the detrimental effect or the opposite yeah. effect of what we want. So, um, so pre-game it's, and pre-training, it's all about ballistic stretching. It's all about getting them moving, you know, squat lunges, uh, sorry, squat uh, lunge walks, um, crab walks um, uh, those sort of exercises to get the muscle uh, ready for uh, what it needs to do in the next hour or two
0: yeah, okay, and so has that taken much education on your behalf? Uh,
3: yes and no, I mean a lot of it has um, has uh, evolved in uh, over a few different professions, so I guess i 'm lucky at at, at Halebury um, as you are that we 've had some good people. Um, they're in strength and conditioning roles as well. So they've, they've taken on the ownership of a lot yeah. of the, um, the, the warm up, So that's taken a bit of pressure off us. But in other clubs that I've been involved with where they don't have that sort of um, uh, cross-multidisciplinary approach, then, yeah, the physio is primarily the person who have educated uh, the, the coaches, the players, uh, parents, in a lot of instances, uh, on what the best form of warm-up is. So, yeah, over the journey, over various clubs and, and sports, We have had to provide a lot of education to various stakeholders to to get them doing the right thing.
0: Yeah, okay. And you probably answered um, this question earlier when you said it's, you know, you could think back at least a week, but in your clinical role as a physio in general, um, does stretching come into into that side of things at all?
3: So in terms of muscle uh, stuff, uh, not a lot. Uh, I'm not prescribing much muscle uh, stretching at all. Yeah. In terms of um, uh, spinal sort of thing, I guess I wouldn't even call it stretching, but I'd probably just classify it as movement. I think we're finding these days, especially with people working from home, and I think there's been an influx of people coming into the clinic with sore necks and backs and and, and just aches and pains because they're not moving enough. So I I do find myself prescribing a lot of movement-based stretching. And and, you you might call it a stretch, but what I'm trying to uh, achieve with that patient is more get them to move. And um, it might be in the form of a, a lower back stretch, but it's more to get their lower back to actually move because they've been spending so much time in a, a static yeah. position, sitting at a desk or at a computer. So um, you okay. could call it a stretch, but it's, it's probably more just movement.
0: Yeah, okay, great. And final question, um, if you were to, if you could come up with one take home message for people
3: on stretching, what, what would that be? One message on stretching? Um, just ask yourself, why are you doing it? And, uh, and, and what, are you trying, what are you trying to achieve? And um, if it is a static stretch before a, an, an exercise you're about to embark in, I'd say you probably don't need to do it. You probably find yourself looking at other ways of warming yourself up for that uh, particular exercise or activity.
0: No worries. Uh, great bit of information to finish on. Um, thanks for joining us. Appreciate
3: thanks it. Thanks for having me. Good luck. We will talk soon. No worries. Thanks, Naraj. Bye. Right, thanks.
0: Welcome to the podcast, Anthony Selby. Thank you. Um, Great to have you along. Um, Let's just start with your physio experience first. When did you graduate? Uh, Graduated from La Trobe in 2002. Okay, so um, 18 long years of of physio, and you've done, uh, how how long have you been at SSPC now?
4: That's a good question. This is coming up either to the ninth or 10th year, something
0: like that. Okay, yep. And you just recently done your master's in sports and exercise physio? I did. I did that at La Trobe as well. So it's a couple of years
4: now done. Um, that was a great experience.
0: Yeah. Okay, great. Um, and let's let's just start with like sport as a child. Were you involved in, in much yourself personally through your, your younger years?
4: Yeah, I did a whole lot of variety stuff. Um, uh, a little bit of the general stuff. I played football and soccer. I uh, also did judo for a long time okay. um, and then uh oh then a bit of tennis a bit of everything to be honest um as i went through and i was uh, not a master at any
0: rodeo right. okay well let's let, let's get into your physio career then um have you you taken a special route or a special interest in anything in particular
4: yeah absolutely look i was uh, really fortunate Probably to to fall into doing some performing arts work uh, about fifteen years ago, okay, um, and uh, and that kind of got me interested in an area that I probably wasn't as exposed to when I was younger, and that that was really in the dance industry. And um, and from there, I just it was nice to get into something different, and so I started exploring that area a lot more. And um, as a result, probably have developed a little bit more of a, a liking into, uh, into dance and gymnastics and all the sports are probably have um, have a population with hypermobility and yep. all that kind of stuff.
0: Absolutely. Um, okay, so if we talk let's talk about dance and, and, and gymnastics and ballet and the like and let me if I mention the word stretching what's your what's your, what's the first thing that comes to mind with stretching in a sport like like dance yeah it's, uh, it's funny you ask that because often
4: uh, often people will sit uh, in the room and um, I'll ask them what they what they do for themselves and some of them will, will say they stretch and I always ask what does that mean to them yeah um, for me stretching used to mean um, sitting there like we used to do at football and sit in a circle and we'd all feet yeah. together and stretch our groins out and hold it there for 20 or 30 seconds and um, and that's still what I think a lot of people picture it as whereas nowadays my idea of stretching is uh, a movement-based stretch which is Dynamic uh, is the term we use, and just taking allium all the way through range. So taking it through what we've got available to us, but not holding it there
0: necessarily. Okay. And I suppose something that's always interested and fascinated me is that, again, if we use ballet, but we can use a lot of sports with this where, where a high degree of range of movement is required yet a lot of these people still get enormous amounts of tightness like it's a bit contradictory in a way isn't it
4: it is and I think uh, we'll probably hear this time and time again but the question is if we're stretching what do we actually achieve when we do stretch something and probably my question to most people is why has it gotten tight in the first place is it because they can't maintain or handle the loads that they're putting through it it's as a result of those structure shortening, and if we can uh, prepare them better to um, tolerate those loads, will it still get those same shortening effects? Um,
3: yep.
4: Hopefully not is the answer. But um, but that's that's probably where what I, my answer would be when why okay. do things get tight.
0: And so, do you often then, if you have a, a again, yes, you use a dancer come into you and say they are tight? Do you do you ever or often find they are truly tight in terms of lacking range? Uh, very rarely, and particularly
4: um, within the dance populations. Again, with you know, same probably with gymnastics and even some swimmers. Um, they generally tend to be the ones that are are usually at the elite level. Um, are hypermobile, so they're usually quite yeah. in their joints. And so they may feel tight, but when you take their joints through their range, they're not tight at all. Um, and you've got to be able to uh, sell that to them and make sure they understand that while it may feel tight, it's not genuinely tight. And yeah, you know, I'd say I very rarely come across that. And for the ones that generally
0: are shortened or tight, it's usually due to an underlying pathology sure and so would it be would it be fair enough to say then in that population of people that are hypermobile that stretching is in in terms of particularly static stretching which dancers are, are known to do a lot of or have been known to do a lot of that not only is the stretching not helping but it could actually be uh dangerous to an extent absolutely yeah that that's exactly the message you know there is
4: there's probably if we were able to isolate our stretch just to a muscle belly, we'd be probably pretty safe and you know you probably couldn't do too much wrong. But unfortunately, when we stretch something, so when we're trying to achieve a stretch on a muscle, we're usually stretching multiple other joints yeah. at the same time, structures that are supposed to be stable, uh, joint capsules, ligaments, and they're the things unfortunately that, um, that coexist with the, within a stretch. And, yep. uh, and that then becomes dangerous if someone's already hypermobile and they've got a loose joint uh, and we stretch that even more, it may feel good on the muscle belly, but it, all the other structures around it um, don't benefit out of it.
0: Okay. And I suppose that's really interesting. It's a nice way to, to put to our, our clients and athletes is that a feeling of tightness actually may not correlate at all to being tight.
4: Absolutely. It's hard. It's hard for us. And that's, you know, that whole debate on on pain science and understanding sure. where the sensations are coming from.
0: Yeah, OK. And, mate, lastly, just across to your clinical practice, so, so generally within the clinic and, and, again, not necessarily just a sporting population, do you use stretching in your role as a physio much for anything? That's pretty rare. And probably a little bit of that
4: was based off myself. For many years, um, where I used to stretch and often feel worse after it, and so okay. something that I tended to prescribe a little bit less before the evidence was probably truly there. Yep. But nowadays, I don't. Um, yeah, I don't find too many people are actually genuinely shortened or tight. Yep. Uh, and uh, and again, I think you know what we're getting to is there isn't really much evidence to support it either. Uh, So the answer is no, I don't tend to use it. Uh, Don't tend to use it unless there is a role and that is for the people that have come to me and they've done it for their whole lives and they feel good from it and doing any harm, then I certainly wouldn't stop it and I'd encourage it. You know, there's probably an avenue for it with mindfulness as well
0: um, for that group of people. Yeah, okay. That's fantastic. And, and if you were to give one take-home message on stretching, is, does anything come to mind? One thing that you could say to people about stretching?
4: Yeah, I'd, I'd certainly say you, uh, we can stretch. We've just probably got to um, think of it more as a dynamic movement as opposed to a static movement.
0: All right. That's fantastic, Anthony. Thanks for your advice. Thanks for joining us. And um, yeah, appreciate you taking the time. No worries. My pleasure. Okay. Thanks. Welcome to the podcast, Nicholas Sharalambis. Thank you, Mr. Lance. It's good to have you on board. Now, mate, tell us, uh, when did you graduate as a physio? Uh,
5: 2012, I finished. Yep, so yep.
0: Eight years in. Um, how long at SSPC? Uh,
5: this September will be five years.
0: Okay, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, you're younger, you're still young, but your younger years in sport, what was your main sport? What did you do? Uh,
5: I was a uh, well, football player, we used to call it, a soccer player. Okay. Um, I played quite a lot of soccer growing up and especially at school and then I moved on to some state league um, soccer when I was uh, at university. But that was like my main passion, main sport. Um, in terms of working-wise, I've worked at um, AFL level at North Melbourne for yep. a couple of years um, during my last two years whilst I was studying, which was amazing and to see all the different things that happen around the footy club yep um and since then i've had pretty strong ties with um with soccer at uh, a couple of different clubs overseeing kind of medical services through there and most recently through east bentley soccer club
0: okay so is soccer still like in your clinical life now here at sspc is is soccer the main sport you see do you have a main sport or a main mix of of a main demographic of client
5: i think athlete in any sport i kind of see a lot more of soccer particularly even you know especially because we take care of the club we see a lot of those players coming through but um no, i try and apply the same principles to any athlete what no matter what it is to uh, try and get the best out of them and it's a good demographic to work in in that most of the time they're quite motivated to get better so it makes our job a lot easier that's for sure
0: absolutely now we know that you are Um, Very heavily strength-based and you've influenced a lot of us here um, and we've tried to re-influence you (laughs) uh, back a little bit, but uh, the topic today is stretching. So just when I say the word stretching, what, what immediately comes to your mind?
5: Uh, immediately I think it would be the change that's happened over the last especially five to ten years regarding that word and I think the way it gets broken down now is a lot different to what it was I mean even when I was at school or even at uni we talked about stretching being static and it was something that was almost mandatory before you exercise you stretch afterwards you need to stretch and then it slowly became a little bit less before and a little bit more afterwards and now we kind of quantify it as well what type of stretch is it is it a static is it dynamic you know um, you only need to look at the afl to kind of think well even before a game you know we're all at the mcg watching our team about to play you never really see players huddled up statically stretching for 10 minutes before they're about to kick off so um i'm quite passionate on that topic as well seeing as though there is a very big overlay between stretching and strengthening and one of the keys i remember getting taught was strength over length you'd rather be really really strong them be super duper flexible because in fact if you are more flexible you actually need greater strength through a larger range of motion sure um and i think you particularly see a lot more through you know the dances and the you know calisthenics demographic yep. that they're super duper flexible but at the same time they're really weak in those extreme ranges and that's where we often see those injuries happen th- through those extreme ranges that they don't have the strength in so um yeah i've really gotten a focus of trying to strengthen people up sure to make sure that they can control their bodies through whatever range is available for them.
0: Yeah, okay, and that's great. We had a chat to Anthony Selby uh, just before and he was saying the same thing that, you know, this. I think this is a problem in certain hypermobile athletes mm. that... They, they might think they need to stretch, but they actually need, need to strengthen. But, mm, um, mm. but anyway, like as I said, we know that you will spend a lot of your time upstairs in our clinic here at East Bentley in the rehab gym and you're yep. doing strength work and you've got yep. some awesome strength exercises. But when you take a client or an athlete upstairs, mm. does stretching ever come into their program? uh it'd be more a
5: dynamic thing towards the end of their workout um i i think of the stretching aspect i mean if by definition we think of muscle lengthening or sarcomere length if we want to get really particular um even an eccentric exercise which is the lengthening portion of that exercise by definition is a stretching of that muscle so for those uh, patients that i get or those athletes especially they're generally described they're really tight everywhere Yep. i try and strengthen them by lengthening them, if that makes sense. So we try and do those eccentric exercises to try and get change in that fibre to then allow them to move through a greater range of motion. So by definition, yes, it is a stretch, but I don't do any static type stretches with them, especially prior to the session beginning. I'll generally get them to warm up either on the cross train or on the bike or do some movements to get some heat into their muscles so that way it can move more effectively and efficiently.
0: Okay, so it's quite interesting that in effect you are... If you want to get a, if you wanted to get length into a client, you're actually mm. doing a strength exercise, yes. a particular form. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so One of the
5: most common ones being the hamstrings. Uh, you know, a lot of athletes tend to, you know, talk about their t- hamstrings getting really tight. I think the big question is to try and establish the why. You know, why yep. are we doing something? So why is that muscle tight? Sure. That muscle can be tight because you know they've overused it, or in fact, it's trying to compensate for another deficiency in a muscle in another muscle Uh, and that's the trickiness when it comes to our diagnosis of trying to stipulate okay well what are we trying to get out of this I'm going to in that case strengthen namely the glutes to try and get them stronger so those hamstrings maybe don't have to work as hard or if they're not as strong strengthen the glutes Um, and one of the best ways to do that as an eccentric exercise is through like a a deadlift or a stiff-legged deadlift for the hamstring so that you're getting the lengthening portion of the hamstring and at the same time it's being strengthened
0: yeah fantastic so are you finding do you have to spend much time re-educating people like if somebody's come in and and they i mean a lot of people have a, a sense i suppose that they're weak and that's easy because they know they're getting strong in yep. the gym but if yep. they feel tight mm-hmm. and you're giving them a strength exercise yeah. do many people ask questions yeah oh absolutely and i think
5: that's part of our job to, to really try and in, to educate the why um yeah absolutely we get a lot of people that say well i feel tight why don't i stretch yeah and it's like well once again, why are you getting tight? Are you getting tight because you're weak? Well, rather than just addressing the cause, uh, the symptom, which is that tightness, let's yep. try and address the cause of the why. Um, and, and that's really, really difficult to try and re-educate, especially, um, you know, people older than myself. And yep. I'm not that old, but, yep. um, you know, because it, we'd all grown up with that same logical well, at the time logical assumption that you know if you're tight or well, what's the opposite of tightness stretch yep. so do that
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay so um, just quickly to finish um, uh, and I know it'll differ per person but mm. what if someone's doing stretching in a warm-up what Mm. do you what do you tell them what do you replace it with
5: i'd say don't waste your time i'd say mainly try and get some activation exercises that can bring heat into your muscles specific to that activity Um, and whatever your sport may be try and find a couple of key aspects of that particular activity that you can warm up with so if you're a jumping athlete you know get some heat into your calves do some calf uh, exercises or do some glute exercises and yep. bridges um sprinter same type of thing that you know you, you never get to see well i'm sure you never saw hussein bolt holding a static stretch yeah, before yeah. He was about to run yeah, 9.58 exactly. or whatever it was so yeah I, I think try and get some form of specificity with your sport through some gentle exercise to build that heat to get your body ready to tackle that activity
0: Sure. And final question, just in your clinical life. So mm-hmm. again, just uh, let's take sport out of it. Do mm-hmm. you, does, does stretching come into your clinical life with anybody or any condition that you can think of? Um, I think for some people
5: that really find that the only way to get rid of their pain acutely I will say, okay, do it in a safe way to get your pain levels down. If you feel really that much better yep. doing it, do it safely and for a short period of time and then follow it up with a certain activation exercise of something else, for example. So a classic one is, is you know, say for the upper traps, people always feel tight in their upper traps. Yep. And I'll say, okay, well, if you want to stretch them a little bit, that's fine, but let's follow it up afterwards with some strengthening exercises yeah, okay. for it um, so that they're not in too much pain um, to not be able to do the exercise exercise
0: yeah okay yeah. so again um uh comes back to strength and movement correct yeah yep. absolutely yep. Great. right um no Rose, that was great thanks Cheers. for joining us pleasure good thanks for joining us jen turner
6: no problem happy to be here
0: yeah good to have you on board now i don't know i'm asking everyone how long they've been a physio but you're the same vintage as rob and i so i can tell you
6: it's about you too know, long to say in a, any kind of you know long-standing presentation
0: <laughs> um, 28 years um, but anyway um, how long at SSPC can you, can
6: you remember? Uh, uh, 2000 when was it 2003 or something I think so what does that make us
0: 17 years with us um, excellent um, now let's get into it so your your history yourself so personally growing up with sport um, what what did you yeah. do and to what level
6: obsessively gymnastics uh, yeah. from the age um i think i started about seven ish um i'm okay. trying in at four but at that stage they didn't take people at four they certainly do now um, and probably worked up to at my peak i would have been training maybe about 20 hours a week probably okay. um, reached level nine which was a a national stream at that stage um and was crossing over to senior elite which was an international stream but never actually made the crossover i got to year 10 and realized i couldn't do both and thought my brain was better than my body
0: (laughs) right okay um well hopefully a wise decision but um so has the gymnastics have did you go from sort of your personal gymnastics has that followed you into your professional world
6: Yes, so um, when I gave up competing myself, I coached for quite a few years through high school and university. I coached gymnastics. I just had a squad of sort of level four to six most of the time, sometimes up to level seven. Um, Then as a physio, I travelled with a couple of state teams to nationals. Um, So yeah, I've had a lot of involvement with gymnastics over many years and I love treating gymnasts.
0: Yep. Are you still you you still are seeing quite a few in the clinic, aren't yes. you? Yeah, yep. Yep. Okay. If I say the word stretching, what what's the first thing that comes to mind?
6: Uh, I gymnastics is quite unique, I guess, when it comes to stretching. Um, flexibility is actually a almost a measured outcome in competitions or certainly a desirable outcome um as opposed to other sports where you know flexibility might be just a case of injury prevention in gymnastics it's part of your um scoring or yeah okay. an so it's definitely important but uh it's it's also important to do it at the right time and in the right way
0: okay so can you expand on that then like when in and let's keep it to gymnastics um <laughs> what's the right time and what's the right way
6: so um, in terms of training, um, I would recommend that warm-ups should be mainly, you know, uh, dynamic stretching, sure. maybe a t- bit of static stretching, but realistically, probably mostly dynamic stretching. And then after a session as part of cool down, do some good static stretching um, and, you know, the. the one of the recent literature reviews I read suggested that sort of probably fifteen to thirty seconds is optimal, no more than about four times uh, of any one sort of stretch. Um, so, de- but definitely after training, the static stretching and and for the beginning of training, more the dynamic stuff because uh, you can get a reduction in power if you statically stretch before explosive sports. However, um, yep. Yeah, sorry, and then competition. If you're somebody that can achieve the flexibility you require for your routines with dynamic stretching, it would be advisable to do that. Some gymnasts will prefer to have a bit of a static stretch to feel like they can, for example, get a full split in a split leap or something like that. And in that case, any kind of static stretching should be done after a warm-up, a general warm-up. It shouldn't be more, especially before a competition, it shouldn't be more than 15 seconds long. Um, It's better off if it's followed up with a bit of uh, more active, um, you know, jumping, leaping, et cetera, after the static stretch before the competition starts, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, okay. So it must must be difficult in a sport then that you're saying has a, a real flexibility scoring component um, and, as you touched on and a couple of our other physios have that we know that that static stretching can have a, an, an adverse respect, uh, effect on the muscle temporarily, so it must be a really difficult situation in your sport when you have athletes that 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 uh, probably think they need to stretch and, and might need to stretch a little bit, but we know that potentially the wrong sort of stretching. May leave them vulnerable in such an explosive sport to injury.
6: Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yes, it, it definitely um, should be made clear. You don't want to be doing long, just sustained holds. Certainly before a training session, or before, certainly before a competition, um, if. If somebody feels, you know, in in a gymnastic setting, if they feel the need to do some kind of stretching before, it really should be limited, you know, 10 seconds, probably 15 at the most, um, and followed up, like after a bit of warm-up and then also followed up with some, you know, bounding or little jumps or little leaps to, to, you know, switch the muscle on again before you do your main explosive um, uh, components.
0: Yeah. Okay. And, and we've touched on again, we, with Kirsty earlier, we we're talking about the, which I presume gymnasts are similar, where these pictures of, of uh, gymnasts and ballet dancers doing over splits and, and stretches, mm. with their feet up on rollers and tables. And, yep. um, has that got any place in a sport like gymnastics that does require some flexibility?
6: Uh, I don't think so. You know, if you can maintain, um, you know, a, uh, you know a, a 180 degree split. I don't understand why it has to be 220 degrees. Yep. Um And a, and a nice foot point shouldn't be you know a, like a half circle. Um. It, it it the thing that I guess concerns me most with stretching in gymnastics is when they're stretching ligamentous structures as opposed to muscular structures so sticking your your heels up on a block and stretching your knees backwards into hyperextension or as you say your feet over because then you're really predominantly stretching ligaments and they don't they don't bounce back there's no way of retightening them you know if you've got hyperextending knees you've really probably got them forever
0: Yeah, (laughs) yeah and so it comes back to again to where um in many of these cases, potentially these um, often younger athletes are predisposing them to not only temporary risk of injury you know in the muscle form but but longer term conditions if you're stretching around, as you say ligamentous structures and joints and growth plates.
6: Yes, absolutely yeah i think I think it has to be um, sensible and careful, particularly um, given most gymnasts are not going to be olympians um there should be no place for it in a state or national stream there's no need i would argue there's no need in the olympics but certainly in a state or national stream there's no need for that extreme flexibility that can lead to yeah injury and or problems later on at yes. the time and
0: Okay, last couple of questions. Are you seeing, so many of the gymnasts that come through to you who obviously are injured or have got some sort of pain syndrome, are many of them still doing this static stretching? Like is it around, are you needing to re-educate a lot?
6: Less so. Certainly our local clubs too are quite good. Um, you know, <laughs> probably now some of the coaches there are kids that I treated when they were gymnasts. and Yeah, right. They're, they're sort of probably clued into it. I think there's less of it. It's interesting, though, certainly at the High Performance Centre, I heard stories, which doesn't actually exist anymore, but some of the international coaches um, are less informed about what is – and might be using older school ballistics, stretching, bouncing, just things that they shouldn't be doing. So I think often the, the maybe the kids that have come through the Australian system are more aware, or coaches, I should say, um but sometimes internationals not so much
0: okay and if you just had a final take-home general message on stretching for gymnasts what what would that be Uh,
6: it would be always be warmed up um it should always be a stretch not a pain um and it, it you know consistency is key rather than pushing hard. It's more about being consistent with it. You'll achieve a better result and a safer result if you you know do a bit of stretching at home between your gymnastic sessions rather than stretching harder in a given gymnastic session. But yeah, always be warmed up and yeah, probably not long stretches pre-training or pre-competition.
0: No worries. Um thanks for joining us, Jen. Appreciate your time and your advice. No problem. So yet there you go. Even I found that really interesting and, and I must say I was a fraction nervous leading into this considering that no one knew what anyone else was going to say so I was wondering whether we would get totally different opinions Um, but it's been really great to hear that we all at SSPC are really on the same page and that is that Static stretching as we know it really doesn't have a lot of role in sport anymore but certain specific types of stretching, even static stretching at very unique times, may have a place. So the whole focus of these two episodes was to try and get through to you that the general statement that stretching has no place is not quite right. I think we can reduce a lot of the stretching that we're doing and have no negative impact on our sports performance. In fact, we're probably going to have a positive impact and it's also going to free up a lot of time for us to do other more important strategies like like doing strength exercises. Um, But I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, it's been really interesting for me as well and hopefully you can take the information you've learned in this and apply it directly across to your sport either as coaches and or athletes and we look forward to getting you along for our next podcast